listening to Over the Oxa podcast with Tracy Cole for all things to do with the mind for equestrians. Today I'm chatting about mental toughness and five ways to get mentally tough. Now why do we need to consider mental toughness? Well, when you're mentally tough, you have that strong psychological core And it may be innate, it might be something that's perfectly natural to you, comes really automatically and easily, or it might be learnt, you've learnt how to cope with things, how to manage your own mental and emotional balance. It might be a mixture. But in some way you will have a toolkit, either automatic and maybe outside of your awareness, or more manual and you know that you have to go and do something to help your mindset. But those things you can draw upon when you're lacking focus or motivation's low, positivity is down in the gutter, then you're okay, you get up and running again, or whether you need to actually do quite a bit of inner work, doesn't really matter. The more you do it, the more practice you get, the more automatic and the quicker it becomes. So what is mental toughness? What do I mean by that? It's often confused with somebody who really pushes themselves to the limit, someone who goes to the extremes. For example, someone, let's say they they break a bone and they carry on and they carry on riding and they're in great pain, but you know, they're really tough and they keep going. That kind of person is not the type of person I mean when I talk about mental toughness. I'm talking about an unbreakable mentality where you can remain determined and motivated in spite of setbacks. You can have something go wrong. You can have something that really turns your life upside down. And maybe after a relatively short period of time, whether that's hours or days, you can get back on your feet much more quickly than people might otherwise do. So you're above average in being able to get back to where you want to be you have a certain level of resilience. And that's what I'm talking about. How quickly you can come back from a setback. Does it take you a minute to regroup yourself? Or does it take you a day? And obviously it's going to depend on what events have passed. But it also depends on the strength of your resolve, I suppose, and also how you maintain positivity. Those who are lucky enough to have that innate and natural way of doing it, they are probably doing some of these things that I'm going to mention already. They do it naturally inside their head. They may not realize they're doing it. They may not think about it. And if you ask them how they manage to stay upright when they've been faced with quite a lot of troubles or difficulties in the past, then they may not be able to tell you what they did. But some of it, if we could really tease it out and break it down, if we could unpack their mentality, some of what they do would be some of the things that I'm going to mention here. So I'm giving you five ways of getting more mentally tough. And obviously, we're all works in progress. You can't do all five at once. 
and you certainly couldn't see a kind of light switch turnaround in your mental toughness. But working on yourself a little bit each day, even just for a minute or two, even in the time that you're mucking out, even in the time that you're poo picking, you will find that you can help yourself massively. So the first thing is to think about goals because goals are really good for motivation and drive. And I'm going to put a little link in the comment box so that you can just see a little video of how to do that step by step using your mind, how to install a goal into your mind so that it's more likely that you get it. Having a goal is usually quite motivational. We just need to think about the size of the goal and the reality of it and also the timescale. We need to be fairly realistic with these things. The mind can do wonderful things, but it can't make us all into Olympians right now. So have a think about whether you're a big goal person or a small goal person, because these are two different types of filtering systems in the mind. The big goal person would find a little goal too trivial, a bit boring, whereas a small goal person will find those larger goals just ridiculous, either overwhelming or ridiculous. So set yourself a goal. It might be a goal for the day. It might be a goal for the week. With it being with horses, and it usually is, if it's a horse or riding related goal, then always make sure that you've added on a bit of extra time and that you're okay with taking two steps back because the next day you'll go another step forward and then the next day another step forward and the next day another step forward. So over a week you'll have gone forwards. But in the meantime, but if we consider minute by minute details, you've probably stepped back a fair few times. The second thing to do is to block out distractions. Block out what takes away your focus. Block out those intrusive thoughts. So those thoughts that tell you that you can't do something or you shouldn't do something or you're too old or too young or too inexperienced. Obviously here I'm talking about keeping yourself safe, staying within your skill set and not going gung-ho and headlong into danger. I'm just talking about being able to keep going and block out those thoughts that tell you to stop. So one way that you can block out distractions is to put something else in your mind because the distractions usually are coming to you in the self-talk and the distractions are telling you things that you don't want to know or telling you lots and lots of what ifs. So if you do a manual override and put words into your head rather than letting them come to you automatically, then you'll find that you can block out that inner critic. So all you need to do is just give yourself a running commentary of what you're doing. Some people like to think about what they're seeing and they're literally talking about blades of grass, what the fence looks like, what the sky looks like, anything at all. They're, they're thinking about that. As a rider, you might want to think about 
giving a commentary to yourself of what you should be doing and doing it second by second. So here I need to apply my leg, here I need to turn my shoulders, here I need to be looking round, here I need to be doing the anything at all. It can be utter drivel to block out the other distractions that come to us on an automatic basis. Number three is to be able to control your level of stress. So the trigger point becomes a higher threshold for you. So you can withstand things that used to annoy you, trigger you, irritate you, upset you. It takes more to do that. And the nice thing about growing old is that that is one of the things that tends to come with age. So you can also think of the control of stress as being controlling the level of excitement or arousal. So nervousness, excitement, these high energy feelings, whether positive or negative, can be thought of as arousal. That's what we say in psychological terms. We need to be able to control that. For some riding disciplines, you need to have a level of excitement. There needs to be a feeling of high energy within you. So I'm thinking of things like cross country and in some regards, show jumping. You'll you'll need to have that. If you're sitting there very, very relaxed and very, very calm and everything's very slow, you might get round the cross country, you might not because the horse might break into a walk, but you know, you're not going to be within the time, you're not going to fly round by any means. On the other hand, something that requires absolute precision, and I'm not saying jumping doesn't, it does require precision, but a different style of precision, in that I'm thinking more about the dressage terms, where things are a little bit more considered because they are generally slower anyway. And hopefully you're not going too vertical in the air as you would be jumping. You're more horizontal. So we need to be able to manage that excitement level and manage that arousal level because sometimes you'll want to be very calm and sometimes you want to be a bit more perked up and ready. And it's being able to shift between them. Your discipline may require that you're always calm. Or if you're working around a young horse or a nervous horse, again, it's bringing your own energy levels right down because that's how you're going to get the most out of your horse. And so we need to think about that, that level of steadiness in our nerves and that level of calmness because this is what top sports people can do. Think about somebody who's doing archery. Think about horseback archery where maybe they're cantering with lots and lots of energy. They could even be galloping with the bow on their back and then they need to fire off at a target. So then they need to come right down right down in their energy levels, really calm, steady the bow, aim it properly, take their time, fire the arrow, and then off they go again. So mostly I'm asked about 
how to control your nerves and bring the energy down rather than to pump the energy up. Most people are quite good at getting their energy up. If you're not good at getting the energy up, then you probably need to do something like running on the spot very, very quickly or doing something rapid do some rapid movements. So if that's skipping or running, just getting yourself fired up. But if you need to know how to bring yourself down, then we need to think about how to do that. And something hypnotic, just listening to a nice visualization or something to do with meditation, slow movement, really slow movement. So if you're nervous about getting on your horse and you're just collecting together your grooming kit and your tack, do it really slowly, really slowly and breathe really deeply and just see if that very slow movement, I mean, if there's nobody around the yard or you don't mind looking a bit weird, you could do it ever so slowly, as slow as you possibly can. And that just brings your energy level right down. Music is also really good for altering our energy levels. So whether that's soft, calming music, or whether that's something that really gets you going and gets the energy up, gets your heart rate going, then you can use music. And I think music is probably underused by equestrians because we need to be listening out for other things around us in the environment. So I'm not saying listen to the music while you're riding as much as an in preparation for riding. And then once you are riding, imagine that you can hear that song or that music in your head. Number four, is to maintain healthy perfectionism. Perfectionists can be detail lovers. Not everyone, but sometimes. And there's generally nothing wrong with wanting to achieve the very best that you can and striving for excellence. And you know if you're doing anything competitive or even if you're just setting yourself targets and you're sort of stretching yourself, you're not competing with anyone else, then what's really good is that we are looking then to make minute differences. We're making tiny changes. Sometimes those tiny changes are the difference that makes the difference. If you think about professional riders, their level of expertise is within quite a narrow band. And so the difference between somebody who comes first and somebody who comes 21st, the skill set is probably not that varied, might be a little bit, but not necessarily. And obviously we've, we've got the horse to consider as well. But obviously it's sometimes just something very wafer thin, you know, like the, the thickness of a cigarette paper that separates them. So finding that you are striving to be excellent is really good, but it's healthy and it's not tripped over into that unhealthy perfectionism where you're concerned 
or overly concerned, I should say, with past and current mistakes, potential mistakes. Everything feels like a failure because you haven't achieved 100% success 100% of the time and it's very exhausting. So we need, therefore, to look at bigger pictures. And we mentioned before how any form of training, whether it's training yourself or it's training with the horse, it's going to be so many steps backwards and hopefully one or two net step forwards. But whilst you're in that zone where you're going backwards or it feels like you're going backwards or you're not making any progress whatsoever, then always step back. I mentioned in one of the earlier episodes about imagining yourself on the ceiling. So wherever you are, imagine yourself up high like a drone, a silent drone, above yourself and you're watching yourself and you're thinking, wow, I couldn't do that 12 months ago or my horse is getting better at this. I can see that those bends and those turns or that lateral work or that jumping is really coming on. And it's looking down on yourself that sometimes gives you that alternative perspective. So think about things on a telescopic level rather than a microscopic level. The last thing that I want to talk about is emotional mastery. And from that comes resilience. So Emotional mastery comes from getting rid of all the repressed and suppressed emotions and getting rid of them, not just managing them. That's okay. Managing is okay for a temporary measure, but I mean getting rid of them and getting rid of things from the past and getting rid of all of these things. And it's surprising how past issues and trauma can still be affecting us even if we think that they've gone, even if we think we've dealt with them. Imagine now feeling totally neutral about past events, past occasions, times when you were embarrassed, times when you were anxious, times when you were sad, times when you were hurt or felt guilty or shameful. Imagine that you can feel neutral about the things that you'd like to feel neutral about. And that really unblocks our thinking, but it does something else as well. Because when you store away these emotions, it it takes a certain amount of energy. Okay. So it, it takes brain energy to store them away. And if you release them, then you can use that energy on something else. You can use that energy on the physicality of riding or taking yourself off for a walk, or a run, or doing something to keep your own fitness up. And I think that can only be a good thing. It's difficult to imagine how anyone could perform at their best and still be resilient if their system is clogged up with all of these energy-sapping emotions and limiting thoughts. Some of these things that I've mentioned, you can do for yourself. And You can find out on the internet how to do things, how to get yourself more in balance and so on. I'm going to put some links down in the comments for YouTube videos and articles that are all completely free and may help you to get more mentally tough. It does require some independence of thought 
some mental independence, but it does mean as well that you can hold your own in those challenging times and even not particularly see them as challenging anymore. I think that'd be really something, wouldn't it? I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. Let me know if there are any topics that you would like me to chat about. Let me know how you're enjoying the podcast. And if you are enjoying the podcast, give it a download or a like or a follow. That'd be super. Thanks ever so much. Take care and I'll see you again. (music) 